Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for December the 10th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news from around the industry five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoyed the show, you like what you see, subscribe and keep yourself in the know every single weekday. And traditionally, I say, hey, we've got some big news to cover today. Today, that ooh, that stands true because 2K Games officially announces that it's working on a brand new Bioshock and there's a studio dedicated to it entirely. We will talk more about the big reveal that was making the rounds yesterday. On top of that, we are going inside the target specs of the next Xbox Project Scarlet, Anaconda, and Lockhart, according to Windows Central. Then, a big, big piece of info for sports fans out there. MLB The Show is going multi-platform starting in 2021. Then we'll talk about Redbox no longer renting video games. The break of my heart. Then Bayonetta and Vanquish remasters are officially on their way. And finally, if you are on PS4, you can finally play Minecraft with your Xbox buddies and other players. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, 2K Games officially announces it's working on a new Bioshock. Today, 2K Games announced the formation of a new studio called Cloud Chamber to work on the next Bioshock game, a game that's still a few years out from release, according to the publisher. A collective of storytellers eager to push the front lines of interactive entertainment by making unique, entertaining, and thoughtful experiences that engage the world, Cloud Chamber will build its team at two locations, 2K's San Francisco Bay Area headquarters in Novato, California, as well as in Montreal, Quebec, which marks the the first ever Canadian office for a 2K studio, the company said in a press release. In addition, 2K announced that Cloud Chamber has started to work on the next iteration of the globally acclaimed Bioshock franchise, which will be in development for the next several years. Now, I want the pause. According to Jason Schreier at Kotaku, this game has actually already been in development since 2017. At least the current version of it has, so that's an interesting tidbit to add to the mix. Cloud Chamber is being headed by Kelly Gilmore, previously of Firaxis Games, acquired by 2K back in 2005, and best known for the Civilization and XCOM strategy games. While Ken Levine, who directed Bioshock 1 and Infinite, is not affiliated with the project at all, Gilmore told IGN in an email that a series alumni Hoagie De La Plante, creative director on Bioshock 1 and 2, Scott Sinclair, art director on Bioshock 1 and Infinite, and Jonathan Pelling, art team, creative director on Infinite, will be working on the new game at Cloud Chamber. Our team believes in the beauty and strength of diversity in both the makeup of the studio and the nature of its thinking, Gilmore said in a press release. We are a deeply experienced group of game makers, including many responsible for Bioshock's principal creation, advancement, and long-standing notoriety, and honored to be a part of the 2K family as stewards of this iconic franchise. The last game in the series, Bioshock Infinite, released in 2013. While there had not been a lot of talk about the next game in the series, Kotaku reported last year that some developers at Hangar 13 had gone on to work on a new Bioshock project, codenamed Parkside, following the release of Mafia 3 and a turbulent year that eventually resulted in big layoffs. And so this is very, very good news. Of course, for those that don't know, Bioshock is a legendary franchise. I mean, truly, it has some of the best memories for me when it comes to the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 generation. There are specific moments in those games that define that generation for a lot of people. And, of course, Infinite is phenomenal as well. Now, if you have not played the Bioshock games, of course, the collection has been released. You can get the entire experience if you did so choose on the modern platforms. Uh, but when it comes to the next Bioshock game, I'm just glad to know that it's officially happening. Of course, industry 
industry insiders have been hinting uh, that something has been coming for years, but to see that it finally is becoming a reality, uh, and to see that an entire studio with two locations has been devoted to the development of Bioshock in the future is something that definitely is exciting for me. Now, what I don't want to happen is for Bioshock to become somewhat of an annualized franchise or something to be expected, uh, because I think that the giant gap in between Infinite and this new game is going to really lend itself to uh, perfecting the new Bioshock and enhancing that original experience. Uh, because whenever you have a game that just gets churned out a couple of years at a time, it becomes kind of lackluster in a way, and it becomes expected. I like developers and publishers to keep me on my toes. So with that being said, very excited to see what the next big Bioshock project is, but hopefully uh, this new studio that is devoted to the new Bioshock game will also get the chance to work on other projects as well, uh, because whenever you can find a studio to one specific thing, they become very, very proficient and efficient at doing that one specific thing, but then you kind of restrict those people to doing that one specific thing. So hopefully that won't be the case. However, you could be playing the next Bioshock game. In fact, I would say you are almost definitely going to be playing the next Bioshock game on the Project Scarlet, Anaconda, and Lockhart consoles. Of course, the next big Xbox is, because now we have multiple Plural. Exciting. Microsoft is gearing up to reveal Xbox Scarlet in full in the near future, and we finally got some credible information on the target specs, says Jez Corden over at Windows Central. Microsoft is gearing up to reveal two prolonged attack for, excuse me, a two-pronged attack, it has been very prolonged, uh, attack for the next-gen consoles, complete with a more affordable SKU dubbed Lockhart and a more beastly premium SKU codenamed Anaconda. We have no idea what the next-gen consoles will look like or be officially named when the time comes, but we do now have a credible idea of what specs these systems are targeting. We believe this information we've received below from multiple sources, but as always, take these rumors with a pinch of salt until we get official confirmation from Microsoft. Microsoft itself. Plans can and do change as we move towards production. Xbox Scarlet is due to launch in 2020 in time for the holiday season. In the 2019 reveal video, Xbox Cloud architect Kareem Cowdery said Scarlet could eat monsters for breakfast, and indeed Anaconda looks as though it will be able to. According to several sources familiar with Microsoft's plans, Anaconda is targeting around 12 teraflops of computing power, compared to the Xbox One X's 6 teraflops and the Xbox One S's 1.4. Lockhart, conversely, will support around 4 teraflops, and according to marketing materials we have seen previously, it is being positioned as the most affordable entry point into next-gen experience. Experiences. It's important to note, however, that TF does not really tell the entire story of next-gen systems. Owing to piles of custom tech Microsoft is planning to bake into these consoles, of course TF being teraflops. For example, Microsoft already spoke about how ray tracing will be a factor in next-gen systems, and while Lockhart has less raw power than the X, it will have capabilities that elevate it further than the X in various ways. Both Lockhart and Anaconda reportedly sport 8 CPU cores targeting around 3.5 GHz, with Anaconda reaching a bit higher per core than Lockhart. The relatively modest increase in clock speed over the previous-gen systems may seem mild, but vast improvements to caching, a new silicon architecture, and other general bespoke proprietary optimizations will see Anaconda perform anywhere up to four to five times better than the Xbox One X if targets are met. We are told, they say, that at least Anaconda will guarantee 13 gigabytes of RAM for games with 3 gigabytes on the total OS, a total of 16 gigs. The X by comparison offered a maximum of 9 gigs for games, which often vary based on what the the OS was doing. 
Microsoft also said in its reveal video that the SSD could be used to throw in virtual RAM as necessary. Speaking of which, one huge focus area for Lockhart and Anaconda is on NVMe SSD proprietary tech, which dramatically decreases load speeds nigh on eliminating loading completely. Gaming with loading times anywhere up to a minute will be reduced to mere seconds as a result of these SSDs and the inclusion of Project xCloud across all Xbox systems, which will allow you to start gaming via streaming while waiting for games to download locally. Next Gen is about saving you time, increasing read speeds by gigabytes per second, while also providing cutting-edge visuals that will elevate games to all new heights. We've been told that while many games will function across generations, Next Gen features such as ray tracing for dynamic reflections and the like will most probably be exclusive to Lockhart and Anaconda, requiring new APIs that come as part of Game Core OS, which is also part of the Windows Core OS effort we have been covering, they say. That said, Scarlet will be able to run all previous-gen games that are available on Xbox One today, including backward-compatible games, as Microsoft has already announced. Similarly to the Xbox One X, games with unlocked frame rates and dynamic resolution will perform better on Scarlet once again, being able to take advantage of the improved hardware. For example, Monster Hunter World struggles to maintain 60fps on the Xbox One X even in its performance mode, but even without an update, it should manage to hit its target FPS without an issue on Scarlet. Games will also be able to take advantage of the increased SSD loading speeds on the newer consoles as well without needing an update. As noted, it always takes rumors. Always take rumors with a pinch of salt, excuse me, but we are confident in our sourcing on this. It's difficult to do direct comparisons between Scarlet consoles and off-the-shelf PC parts due to unknown quantities in Microsoft's proprietary optimizations. The proof, as always, will be in the pudding. Plans can change between now and then. Looking at you, Surface Mini, but it's looking almost certain that Project Scarlet is, in fact, two console SKUs across Lockhart and Anaconda, with Anaconda representing the higher end and Lockhart representing a more affordable entry point into next-gen features. Either way, across Scarlet, bigger investment in games and Project xCloud 2020 is looking incredibly exciting indeed. There's a lot to break down here, but I think the big thing to focus on here is the CPU and, of course, the teraflop amount of the next big Xbox. Of course, Anaconda, Project Scarlet, uh, that's going to be the big one. That's going to be uh, the competitor to the project uh, that PlayStation is working on now, officially confirmed to be the PlayStation 5. And so with double the power, essentially, of the Xbox One X and the ability to perform four to five times better than the Xbox One X, that's shocking. That is mouth-dropping, jaw-dropping, some may say. Uh, but the PlayStation 5 really has to come out swinging with this one because I've been saying it for a very long time. Uh, when it comes to the next generation, you can't write Xbox off. Just because PlayStation has a very strong foothold does not mean it's going to be solidified for the next generation. Microsoft has been doubling down on creating games that are exclusive to the Xbox and Windows ecosystem. They've been doubling down on ensuring uh, that they don't repeat the mistakes of the Xbox one, where the marketing was muddled to begin with, it came out of the gate uh, with a bit of a flop, and then it had to crawl its way back up to even being something that was a respectable console, which is just now becoming a reality. PlayStation, on the other hand, had great marketing from beginning to end, focused on the games, focused on the narrative, and now they are pretty much established in the industry as the best place to go for narrative-driven gaming experiences. And so Microsoft has had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, but when it comes to raw power, again, the PlayStation 5, ooh, that's some exciting stuff. 
in and of itself, but uh, I am a big, big fan of Project Scarlet. I think that it's going to be a big contender for Holiday 2020, without a doubt. Uh, but again, if you did want to go through all the specs again, that's according to Windows Central sources, and according to them, they trust the sources. Uh, so it looks like this is going to be one beefy piece of hardware coming your way. And guess what? In 2021... You could be playing MLB The Show on it. So this is coming to us via a press release put out on Twitter and circulated by the official MLB account, the official Xbox account, uh, Major Nelson on Twitter. Tons of people have been talking about this. But for immediate release, New York, San Diego, December 9th, 2019, Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association, Sony Interactive Entertainment, and San Diego Studio jointly announced today that they entered into multi-year extensions to continue development and distribution of MLB The Show, the award-winning officially licensed video game. Pause. Nothing to write home about there. They've extended the contract for MLB The Show, which is a very, very, very popular baseball game. Now... In addition, the historic expansion of the long-standing partnerships will bring MLB The Show for the first time ever to additional console platforms beyond PlayStation platforms as early as 2021. Complete details will be announced at a later date. San Diego Studio has been creating officially licensed baseball video games enjoyed by millions of fans for more than 20 years. With MLB The Show 20, which will feature Chicago Cubs star Javier Baez El Mago as its cover athlete, the studio will be commemorating the 15th anniversary of MLB The Show's franchise next year through a variety of unique promotions and new gameplay features. MLB The Show is officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA. Follow MLB The Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest info and updates. Oh my god, MLB The Show is finally coming out of the PlayStation ecosystem and is going to be hitting other platforms, plural, console platforms. That's exciting. So, what I do want to point out here is that when it comes to traditional sports games releases, as we migrate from one generation into the next, the big thing to know is that oftentimes the games are released on the older systems for a while before they're completely and totally transitioned over to the newest generation. So you could be seeing MLB The Show 21 on Xbox One, PS4, Project Scarlet, and PlayStation 5. That is very impressive to me. The big question for me is, will there be a PC release? Of course, they could just throw it into the PlayStation Now subscription offering, and that would be good enough. But will they actually release the entire game on the PC? That yet to be seen. Of course, the phrasing here, additional console platforms, that leads me to believe that it's only going to be coming to Xbox ecosystem in 2021. But this is a massive deal because, number one, MLB The Show sells like hotcakes year after year. There are tons of baseball fans that don't play anything else and just have a console for playing the baseball game, MLB The Show. On top of that, there is little to no competition. Sony is going to dominate this space, uh, and MLB The Show is going to dominate because the only other competitor was RBI Baseball. Uh, I think there were like a couple of other ones here and there over the years, but RBI Baseball has been the main competitor for MLB The Show for a very long time. Uh, and, of course, at the end of the day, you don't see any other MLB games like we used to see way, way back in the day, which I think was like MLB 2K09 or whatever. Uh, let's see. Baseball Games 2002. Because I remember there was a, a baseball game in like 2002. Now I don't want the actual games themselves. What do I look like? Some kind of sports fan? Gosh. Uh, let's see. See, back then you had MLB 2003. This is the one that I was thinking about from 909 Sports. They used to develop MLB games that were pretty much uh, released alongside other sports games, kind of like NBA 2K20, uh, Madden 20, you know, like that kind of thing. And so 909 Sports stopped development of the MLB franchise, uh, and in 
effect, they pretty much made MLB The Show the king. So now, with it coming multi-platform, RBI Baseball is ultimately going to die, and the show is going to take over in a very big way. Uh, pretty much doubling, if not tripling, the amount of sales you'll be seeing, because a lot of baseball fans uh, want a really, really good baseball game on a multi-platform kind of approach, and that is very cool. Another big question, Nintendo Switch? It very well could happen. Uh, but regardless, very glad to see the show is finally coming out of the PlayStation ecosystem and branching out as early as 2021, uh, but unfortunately not coming next year. But hey, if you don't know if you like it or not, you won't be able to rent it from Redbox to see because Redbox is no longer going to rent video games. Redbox is winding down its services related to video games and will permanently have removed games from its kiosk entirely by the end of the year. A tweet from Redbox customer service yesterday states the games are no longer available to rent at the kiosk and though they are still available for sales, they will be removed entirely soon. Redbox additionally confirmed to The Verge the games would be for sale through the end of the year. This will seek the Red Kiosk return for their original function as mainly a movie rental service. Video games were originally introduced in 2011, shortly before the former main source of video game rentals in the U.S., Blockbuster began closing its retail stores across the country. And that's where the article abruptly ends. Uh, but this is very disappointing to me. Now, keep in mind, I am incredibly, incredibly cheap. So there's that. Uh, but whenever I'm on the fence about a video game, I go and rent it from Redbox. For instance, I rented Death Stranding, and I rented it, I think, two or three times back-to-back -back for three-day stretches of time. Uh, so I got a good bit of game time in for around nine bucks or so, uh, which was incredibly affordable for me. I suppose it was probably more around 14 but regardless, that's beside the point. Uh, it's a very good way to try out games and make sure that you like them before you go all in and spend $60 on them. And then by the time you finish it, it might be out of the return policy. It might not have had a return policy. Uh, Redbox was the best way to give video games a whirl outside of the digital demo that you can download for some games. Uh, and so now there's this gap that's been left. And I feel uh, like this is going to definitely put a damper on things when it comes to how much I spend time at Redbox. And I feel like a lot of gamers would echo the same sentiment. I won't be going to Redbox anymore. I might rent the occasional movie, but ultimately I went to Redbox to find games. Uh, and so that's a big disappointment for me. I think they're definitely dropping the ball on this one because there is a market uh, for rentable video games and there aren't too many competitors in that market. Uh, Family Video, for instance, is in my area and they are pretty much one of the last long-standing classic rental stores that takes the blockbuster-style approach and makes that into their business model. And now, outside of that, there really is no other way to rent video games, especially at the prices Redbox was renting them at. Uh, and also, I'm trying to kind of think in my mind why this would be, uh, why they would make this move. And I know that I have rented a couple of games from time to time in which somebody has photocopied the disc itself and taken it and then put the piece of paper in with the barcode on it back into the machine, fooling the machine into thinking it has returned the movie. Now, that makes no sense to me unless you're using somebody else's credit card uh, because they can still charge you for the game. Uh, but all things considered, I guarantee you they were probably losing money on a lot of the games that they were buying uh, to put into these machines. And of course, hopefully some good sales will be had from the Redbox machines as they try and get rid of this giant catalog of games they've accrued over the years. Uh, but regardless, very, very disappointed to see Redbox is no longer going to be renting video games uh, starting now. Because I was totally going to rent Bayonetta and Vanquish Remasters because they have been confirmed for the PS4 launching in February 2020. And this is coming to us from Push Square, also notably coming to, of course, Xbox One as well.
Following rumors late last week of a supposed Bayonetta and Vanquish remaster making its way to current-gen consoles, the release has now been confirmed for a PS4 launch, alongside Xbox One, with a glitzy reveal trailer. Both games release on the 18th of February 2020, and physical buyers can snag a Steelbook edition if they feel so inclined. The package brings together two of Platinum Games' very best titles of the previous generation with 4K visuals and a boost in frame rate up to 60. You will be able to purchase them separately or as a bundle on the PlayStation Store or Xbox Live Marketplace for $39.99 apiece, or I suppose, excuse me, $39.99 as a bundle, and pre-ordering digitally means you get two exclusive themes. Not bad at all considering 2020 is looking rather quiet before the March onslaught. Will you be picking up this double pack on PS4 or the Xbox One? Personally, maybe. Um... I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is a very impressive uh, pack of games right here because for those that don't know, Vanquish, a very fun uh, cover-based shooter, Bayonetta, one of the best action games of all time. It is highly acclaimed, highly enjoyed, uh, highly appreciated, and I think that's really what I want to uh, talk about here. Uh, now, I will say, if this is the remastered gameplay, it's not the best-looking remaster I've ever seen. I don't know if I'm just used to seeing remakes that have been rebuilt from the ground up. Up, but I suppose the biggest improvement here is going to be up and, of course, more frames per second. Uh, but ultimately, if you can get them both in a bundle for 40 bucks with uh, the best version of the games to date, then by all means, sure, why not? Uh, as I said before last week when we were talking about the uh, leak them itself, I would love to see a Bayonetta collection released where it had two, which of course is pretty much exclusive to the Wii U and the Nintendo Switch, uh, because if you release one game, Bayonetta, on multiple consoles, you're going to have fans that want to play that sequel on the same consoles they played the original on. But I digress, that's just me being nitpicky. However, if you did want to get the Bayonetta and Vanquish 10th Anniversary Bundle, it's coming out next year, February 18th, 2020, for 40 Bones. But until then, you can keep playing Minecraft, and if you're on PS4, you can now play with your friends, because crossplay support has now been added with the Bedrock Edition. Players across PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One, as well as mobile, can now all play together. Minecraft Bedrock Edition now supports full crossplay across all platforms following the imminent arrival of that edition to PS4. Sony confirmed the news in an announcement today with the update expected to go live tomorrow. It's great news for PS4 fans, as until now, players on that platform have been limited to playing with other PS4 owners. It's also noteworthy for the fact that Minecraft is now a Microsoft property. With the PS4 and Xbox platforms constantly at war over market share, it demonstrates that an update Today, Minecraft is important to both stakeholders. What's next? Master Chief skins in The Last of Us Part 2? Joke, obviously. Of course, this crossplay functionality only applies to the Bedrock Edition, i.e., the edition available on the Microsoft Store. If you are still using Java Edition, which if you're into modding, you probably are, then you'll still be restricted to playing with other PC users of that version. Of course, that's only on PC. While Sony has long supported crossplay between PC and PS4, it's been a bit reluctant to roll out the functionality to other consoles, but that apparently changed in October with SIE CEO Jim Ryan implying that crossplay is now A-OK. -okay. Of course, we talked about that on a prior episode of the Jam Pack Report. Uh, now, this is a very cool piece of news, and I will say other outlets have been reporting that whenever you log into Minecraft on your PS4, uh, you are going to have to log into your Microsoft account that is associated with your Minecraft account, which is how everything is linked and I believe you might even get Xbox achievements uh, via the PS4, which is strange. Uh, but this is fantastic because this, in my mind, has been a definitive experience of the last decade. Minecraft has grown into something that is a worldwide phenomenon. It's used to teach, it's used to entertain, uh, it's used to make friends, it's used to do so many various fantastic things in the world. 
And to be able to do fantastic things with your friends, regardless of where they play, is foundational to what gaming should be. And so it's very cool to see that the Bedrock Edition is now officially getting crossplay on the PS4 and a full release at that. Uh, so if you did want to dive in again, Minecraft getting that full update in just a couple of hours, days even later this week. Uh, but regardless, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to drop me a like down below and let me know what you thought about today's stories because it's always a good time and always we were jam-packed uh, with a ton of today's biggest news. But until tomorrow, you guys can always check me out on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. I'm trying to stream... Uh, Pretty much every night, we're going to be getting a schedule going shortly, so if you did want to hit that follow button, a link will be down below. And on top of that, you can always follow me on Twitter to stay up to date and informed with latest gaming news, personal stories, and memes. Lots of memes. Uh, but until next time, you guys have a phenomenal one, and I will talk to you soon. Peace.